<laughs> Pot of gold. It's kind of weird not to hear, well, anything. Oh, the keys definitely gotta go. Little jingly bitches. Never did I realize how many jingly, jingly things I have in my car. So many jingles. Jingles, we got jangles. Man, do we ever. Good morning, my friends, good morning. Welcome to another exciting episode of Ramble by the River. Right turn. I'm on my way to work. I'm on my way to a job. It is 5.40 a.m. At the time of recording, it is October 13th. That's a Wednesday. And this will be airing October 16th, the year of our Lord, 2021, my 33rd birthday. Damn, that's a long time to be alive. 33 years. This is my last year being younger than Christ. Christ died at age 33. I don't know why that's significant to me, but it is. Because like, he's always somebody who people look to as like a, an example of what you, you know, a perfect person, a perfect human. And he, he only lived to be 33, the guy was a kid. And he was just, you know, martyred at a very young age of 33. An age that everybody should consider young and think of as youthful and vibrant and not old and decrepit and dying. And full of, you know, cells reaching their apoptosis limits bursting, disintegrating into nothingness, death. Don't think of those things. Think of life and, and jubilance and youth. That's what age 33 is all about. I think actually, I think 33 is like a special number too in numerology. Isn't that right? Where my numerologist at? So anyway, I'm busy lately and I haven't had a time to, to Nah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make excuses. Everybody's busy, but yeah. Decided to record my intro while I'm driving today because that's the only time I really have to do it. So here we are. I ran the bridge run this weekend. That's the colloquial name for the Great Columbia Crossing put on by the Astoria Chamber of Commerce. It's a great run. It's a 10K. It starts at the dismal niche uh, bathrooms there off of 104, Highway 104, leading out to Nacelle on the Washington side of the river. And that place is also known by many as the Million Dollar Shitter. And rumor has it, when that place was constructed, it cost over a million dollars, which was an outrageous amount of money at the time. And by today's standards, wouldn't be crazy to have a million dollar shitter especially when it's got a parking lot and running water and septic and all that stuff. So, But anyway, you start at the Million Dollar Shitter, 
you run a little over a mile to reach the beginning of the bridge and then it's a long straight stretch of bridge going over the Columbia River. It's a popular event for locals and tourists alike. People really enjoy it because that bridge is not open to foot traffic most of the time or even bike traffic. You're not supposed to ride bikes over it, although people do. And yeah, so it's, it's great. People from all over the place come and it can be really competitive. And so this year it was a reduced capacity race, obviously because of COVID. And there was, I think there was something like 2000 something people. And it usually has around 3000, I think. So it was smaller, but it was still really big. It was still quite a few people to cram into a smaller, smaller little community like that. trying to drive uh, without the defrosters because I don't want the sound but I'm fogging up so I got to do it sorry guys if you hear the the hum but I don't think it's really gonna make that big of a difference I'll just go go with it I have like noise gates that I did not set because I can go in and post and kind of take out the noise as long as it's consistent throughout the recording so I think it will be the tire sound but yeah, this is the this is a new thing, so we'll see how it goes. Anyway, so Great Columbia Crossing. My daughter Elsa is a runner, and she's been a runner as long as I've known her. In fact, the very first thing I ever did with her when we met, I came into her life when she was five years old, is we went for a run together, immediately, and I was I was hooked. So. This guy's flashing me. Why are you flashing me? My dims are on. You dim-witted fuck. Maybe there's an elk or something in the road. Yeah, the people out at 5 o'clock in the morning. That's a mixed bag. You're either going to get, you know, people going to work. You get cops out here and people who work on the roads and linemen and PUD workers. People who do services. And then you also got your tweakers. So you never know what you're gonna get when you run into people out here. We live in the woods, basically. This is a, a very wooded area. And you really start to notice that when it's real stormy or, or dark because you're like, man, this is definitely not feeling too civilized. So my daughter Elsa is a very competitive runner. She has been since she was five years old and she's worked really hard. This year when she went to a new school, we talked with their cross country program and asked if she'd be able to compete, even though she's a little young. So she's in sixth grade, and we, like I said, we just skipped her up to sixth grade. So it, it's not, she's not a legit sixth grader, she's only 10 years old. And they said that she'd be able to practice, but because of official rules and probably insurance, she's not gonna be able to compete. So we decided to schedule her runs outside of school. Right turn. I'm gonna go get some biscuits and gravy. I'm hungry. So, we have a little schedule for her runs for the fall, and the, the major one was the Great Columbia Crossing. She was really excited about it. That was kind of what we talked about all summer while we were training. I also did hood to coast, so I had a couple different things to train for, and. Great Columbia Crossing was her main race. So we were really excited about it and she took her training pretty seriously. We probably ran three to four days a week 
you know, probably three to three to five, six miles a time. And we would go hard. She's very competitive. She's convinced that she's faster than me. So it's really kind of like my job is to make sure she doesn't go out too fast in the beginning because she'll burn herself out. Left turn. So during these training runs, she would just want to just blow the just blow the doors off right out the gate. And I would have to hold her back and be like, no, nah, else let's pace it, pace it out, pace it out. We got to do that. This is a long race. We got to pace it out. And by the end in our training runs, she's usually pretty gassed. And no matter what, no matter how tired she is, she'll always try to sprint out and beat me in the end. Even though I'm her pacer and I, I have been with her the entire time, I think something about that finish line just triggers her, her killer instinct. And she just lights it up and she just tries to beat me. And, you know, I have longer legs than her. Not by much, honestly. She's gotten a lot taller. But I do still have her by a little bit. So I can usually turn it on and, and get ahead of her no matter what. There has been one time where she beat me legitimately. And uh, I gave her credit for that. It was cheering it. So for our race plan for the Great Columbia Crossing, we had just planned on doing the exact same thing. We we're going to pace it out go a nice steady, you know, eight minute or so pace per mile uh, throw up through and then the last mile just sprint it out. And that's exactly what we did. And we based our goal, which was to break 50 minutes for a 10K. We based our goal off of the false assumption that last time we ran this race, which was two years ago when Elsa was eight, last time we ran it, we thought we ran a 50 minute time. Turns out that we were wrong about that, and we actually had run like much slower, like at least five minutes slower. And so when we decided, oh, right, we just got to break 50 this time, it was actually probably overambitious. But we did it. I couldn't believe it, but we did it. It was really hard. It, not really for me. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. It actually was really hard for me. She, she did really, really well. There was maybe one time in the race when I could have pulled away from her legitimately and and made it made some ground. And I think she there's a good chance she would have caught me anyway in the last mile because when we after we came down the hill around the corner of the bridge and hit the road on on the Oregon side, she just turned on and she just started cranking. And I did everything I could to keep up. And make sure I was still, I was her pacer. I was supposed to be slightly ahead of her, just pulling her along, making sure she had somebody to chase. And I could hardly do that. I could hardly do that. The last half a mile, I was starting to panic. I was like, I can't hold this. I, and she was, it seemed like getting stronger. And so I was like, oh my God. And so I'm just grinding, just trying everything I can. Right turn. To not let her beat me. And I, not because I felt competitive with her, but because I had made a commitment to pace her. So I felt like I had to stay with her. And I, I really just wanted to go all the way through with our plan. And we did, we made it. We passed like five people in the last 30 feet. And it was great. We had a really fun time and I ran over the finish line and my stomach was like, oh my God, what have you done? And I immediately started heaving. And I didn't actually puke. Nothing came out. I hadn't eaten anything and I, I was probably dehydrated. And But 
my body was was like what the fuck was that and that's a good thing i think i think i don't know i go back and forth sometimes i think like if you're puking you're maybe you're overdoing it but i don't know i grew up to think that was like a gold star if you're puking at the end of a workout you're doing it right but who knows i'm not a coach i mean i'm elsa's coach but i'm not a real coach yeah i guess i kind of am a real coach I don't know. It doesn't matter. I don't get paid to be a coach right now. Um, but yeah, so we did it and got our times and we, we ran at 49.51, 49.52. A, those were our times coming in respectively. And we beat our goal. We were really happy. I, I was thrilled. And it wasn't until I started looking at the statistics from other finishers that I realized how incredible of a thing we had actually done. Elsa, not only did she win her division, which is ages 14 and below, you have to be at least 10 to sign up. Last time when we ran it, she was eight. She wasn't even officially in the race because she was too young to get a chip, a timing chip. So this time we had the timing chip and she was the minimum age and she smoked that division. Won it by a long shot. There was, a, there was like 55 kids in it ages 14 and below, and she kicked all their asses. Not only that, she would have been on the podium in the next few divisions up, and she would have won the women's division 20 to 24, first place. She's 10 years old. 10 years old. When I was 10 years old, I was looking for crafty ways to trick Joe Williams into thinking I ran four laps instead of three, but I really only ran three. I was bringing a popsicle stick from home, saving it from my lunchtime fudgesicle. But I was not running a full mile. And she just blew me away. All right, I'm going to go get some food. I'll be right back. I got the shit. Here we go. Backing up. It's kind of nice having you guys here with me in the morning. I'm usually alone at this part of the day. Well, most parts of the day. But this part especially. The bakery trips in the morning are actually kind of the way I get human interaction a lot of the time. Which... Sounds very pathetic, really. What a loser. Just kidding. I shouldn't do negative self-talk like that. I know it's not good for you. I don't even feel like a loser about it, but I do feel like other people think I'm a loser for it. I don't know why that is, but I think that's... I was talking about that with Sawyer, actually. He had to eat lunch by himself because his friends were all sick. Not sick, but they were all out for COVID um, exposure, even though none of them actually had it. But So he ate lunch on his own. <clears throat> and my wife and him were talking about it. and She was like, oh, Sawyer, you poor kid, you had to eat by yourself. You could have gone and talked. Like She was coming up with solutions, like who he could have gone and talked to or what he could have done to try to avoid eating lunch by himself. And I was kind of like, 
what? Why? Like, I mean, eating lunch with other people is better, but I've eaten hundreds of meals alone. Thousands, probably. Oh, definitely thousands. Thousands of meals by myself. And they're all equally delicious. Not equally, but they're all just as delicious, probably more so, as if I ate it with other people. But yeah, no, it is always inherently better to have people around. Just no matter what. Um, but, oh, I got distracted. My point being, left turn. My point being, the worst part about eating by yourself or going to the movies by yourself or, you know, just being by yourself is the fucking pity you get from people for it. People want to give you sympathy, like, like, you must have tried to find other people to eat with and you couldn't because you're a fucking loser. That's the assumption that I feel from people and I just don't really think that's accurate. My son is not a loser. He just has friends who happen to be reckless with their health. It's just the way it is. I'm not a loser. I just happen to have a job and a personality that keeps people away. It's okay. It's not a big deal. Anyway, back to the story. So, we did the bridge run. And I found out Elsa just destroyed the competition. And now I'm in this position where I, I almost feel... Right turn. I almost feel obligated to take it up to the next level. Like, to help her reach her next step. And I'm, I'm not even sure exactly what that is. I've always... I've always in my head known that Elsa had this kind of crazy potential. Honestly, I think Sawyer has it too. He's just not into running as much as her. He's in cross country right now because I made him be in cross country right now. And he's killing it. And he's in, he's in love with it too. He's loving doing it. So that's the thing is I was right. And I'm really glad I forced him to do it. So, hey, if you are considering forcing a child to do a sport they don't want to do. Be, oh, whoa, big pack of deer. I just saw three or four deer just standing right next to the road. <clears throat> no buck, no bucks, so just does. Um, do it. Force them. Especially if they have potential. If they're athletic and lazy, get them in sports. Especially if they have pride. That's, a, that's what I knew about Sawyer. It's like his pride wasn't going to let him half-ass it in practice. He cares too much about what people think. So if I could just get him there, he'll do well. And he'll probably thank me for it later he hasn't but he will he will and he has his first home meet this week uh would be tomorrow thursday so at the, by the time you hear this it will have been two days but yeah so we'll see how things go there but anyway sorry you probably don't care about my kids this much but i'm i'm just a very proud dad and i just like talking about them <coughs> yeah anyway bridge run was fun shout out to don nesbitt for doing some awesome artwork for the bridge run like the t-shirts and the medals and everything have the really cool blue whale artwork done and it's, it looks like a watercolor that he did i love his stuff it's really cool it's become like the look of the long beach peninsula and the surrounding communities it's just like it's good it's great he does a really good job so shout out don 
So the episode today is the second half of the Ross Carey interview. This half is not quite as technical as the first half. We we do talk crypto still, but it's it's I wouldn't even call it the crypto episode, even though I have to because I already committed to that with part one. But we get a little more silly, a little goofier, have a little bit more fun. Ross was was nervous, I could tell, and so I, I tried to be funny with him. I tried to loosen him up a little bit, and you know, some some of it's a swing and a miss. You always some you know you gotta try, but not everything's gonna hit. But yeah, no, it definitely was good. I enjoyed this one. It's the, the this interview's an hour, and so yeah, I hope you guys enjoy it. Ross is a good dude. If you need to contact me, you can do that through social media, Instagram and Facebook at Ramble by the River, on Twitter at Ramble River Pod, and you can get our email for business inquiries, guest suggestions, and that type of thing right there in the show notes. All this information is available on ramblebytheriver.com, which is also where you're going to go if you feel like leaving a donation to support the show, which obviously you won't do. The, there's a PayPal link up in the corner, and it's a, you can do a one-time thing, and it, it goes straight into the show's bank account. <clears throat> Thank you to our Patreon subscribers. You are the lifeblood of this organization, and I couldn't do it without you. I really appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much. It's a small crew. There's not a lot of you, and every one of you is just so appreciated. So thank you. If you would like to become a Patreon subscriber, an elite member of the Ramble Famble, go on over to patreon.com slash ramblebytheriver. And you'll be allowed to subscribe to the... three different options for tiers for content. The first one, $3.99, I think, is the basic, and it will get you access to the exclusive episodes, and not everything, but pretty much everything. The second level, I don't even know why they do three levels. They should really just do two. Second level is basically the same as the first level, so don't do the second level. It won't get you anything extra. Either do the cheap one, the $3.99 one, which is going to get you, I will say, almost everything. If you're if you're a major fan, and or or you just would like to pay a little bit extra because you know me and you know I'm working my ass off on this show and you want to help out, then you get the ten dollar one, and I really appreciate that. And I will say it is worth it. I put a lot of time into this show, and and the content is actually, in my opinion, worth the money. So I hope you do pick the ten dollar one, the nine ninety nine one. And if you do, you'll get all of the exclusive episodes, all of the bonus content, all of the stuff that, that you can only get there. Uh, but really, you'll get most of that stuff with the three ninety nine one. So that one's great too. Leave that, leave that middle one alone. No one needs that shit. Um, anyway, thank you guys so much for being part of this podcast. It's been such a great experience. We are over 50 interviews done now. So I, I feel pretty great about that. My goal has been accomplished. I took last week off. I didn't take it off, but I didn't produce an episode. So, and the reason for that is just I didn't have time. I've been doing a lot of stuff lately trying to get my summer wrapped up for my my work, my job. And also it's the end of running season and the beginning of hunting season. So I'm basically done with my running training with Elsa and I'm getting ready to start hunting with Sawyer. So deer season starts on my birthday which is next week or it's today today's the 16th this comes out today so hunting season starts today and that's what i'll be doing 
with my free time in the next couple weeks. And yeah, so life is just full of full of adventure. So I didn't have a chance to put an episode out last week. I was working on it the whole time, but I just never got it wrapped up. Anyway, <clears throat> my guest today is Ross Carey. He's a fisherman. As you heard on part one of this episode, he's also very into cryptocurrencies and NFTs. I have done a lot of research on NFTs and cryptocurrencies, mostly NFTs, non-fungible tokens, digital artwork, digital collectibles, that kind of thing. I've done a ton of research on that stuff since recording this episode. So we recorded this episode in September. I'm sorry it's been so long since we put it out, but it's still great information and a lot of the stuff isn't going to change. So NFTs are the only thing in here that I'm, when I talk about them, I, I, I don't know nearly as much as I do now. So take it with a grain of salt. The NFT market is blowing the fuck up. All of a sudden there's, there's new exchanges opening up all the time. Coinbase just announced that they're going to start doing an NFT marketplace. So you soon will be able to buy trading cards and, you know, digital collectibles through Coinbase. And that's pretty cool. FTX is the organization that Tom Brady and Giselle Bunchen, Bunchen? Giselle Brady, um, they advertised it on some football commercial. My old football coach, Ned, he sent me a link to it because I don't watch TV. And I saw that and I was like, oh man, shit's blowing up. So we talked about that in Ned's episode actually, which is gonna be out in a couple weeks. We got a lot of great stuff coming down the pipe. Uh, I'm gonna save the rest so I can maintain a little bit of the surprise. Okay, let's see, what else do we got? This is actually working out really well. It's kind of fun. This is originally how I had planned on doing the podcast. Not planned, planned is the wrong word. This is originally how I used to fantasize about doing the podcast. I would drive, my office is is an hour away from my house. So I would drive this drive through the woods every day and listen to podcasts. And I would start to feel like I was in the room. And especially like if I'm reading a book about what they're talking about on the podcast, I just was full of stuff to add. I was like, oh, I can make this so much better. Get me in there, Joe Rogan. But Joe Rogan never called. And, you know, he never returns my texts. I mean, my DMs. He never returns my DMs. None of them do, actually. I've, I've written all of my podcast role models, and none of them have written me back, the sons of bitches. But I get it. They don't want to seem too available. You know, they don't want to let on that they are actually reading my shit and listening to my podcast. And they're equally as big of fans of mine. So, you know, it's fine. But it still hurts. Anyway, I'm enjoying myself out here. This is good. It, it does feel less lonely in the truck with have, having you guys listening. All right, so... I'm stalling a little bit because I'm driving a curvy road and I, I can't look at my phone, but I need to figure out if I have any more announcements before I just introduce the guest and get on with the show. So I'm going to pull over up here and figure that out. I'm on the Bay Road. I'm going to pull over at the boat launch and take a look at my schedule. Left turn. Oh, actually, I'll do a right turn. There's nobody here. 
Okay. Let's see what we got here. Oh yeah, there is another thing. So with the last crypto episode release, I put out a crypto term glossary. I posted it on our website, ramblebytheriver.com. So if you go to ramblebytheriver.com, there's a link either at the top of the page or in the, the heading, and it will say glossary or crypto terms or, or something like that. But And it's just a little list of terms that have been confusing or could be ambiguous or acronyms that needed to be clarified, things like that. So that if you're listening and you want to know what a word means or a term means, you can just check the glossary. So while you're there on the computer, head on over to Apple Podcasts. Leave me a review. Give me five stars. Tell me how I've, how I've changed your life for the better. You know? No, don't tell me. Tell everybody else so that they will come and join the Ram fam. We got to grow this thing, guys. I, I hate self-promotion. It's, it feels sleazy and disgusting, but you got to do it. Because at the end of the day, I really do believe that I'm making a good show. And I think people would benefit from hearing it and they'd enjoy it. And it's fun. I just want to keep doing it. So we got we to gotta grow. So leave me a review. Share it. Shares are really great. If you, put a, if you post a link to the episodes on your social media site, people actually click them. Especially if you're a person who doesn't traditionally post a lot of links. They're like, oh, this must actually be good if so-and-so is posting it. So anyway, without further ado, please enjoy the second half of this interview with... Ross Carey. I could really use a change of scenery. Yeah. Everybody's smoking all the greenery. Yeah. Cause the matches they were handed down to me. But I'm still fly. I'm still fly. I know. I'm still fly. I'm still fly. Let's go. It could all be worse. I could be a hater like you. It could all be worse. Clothes that make the man, but that poison's gonna chew you. that's ever bought into bitcoin pretty much ever has made money at this point in time right now yeah everyone's in the money right unless you bought in at like 55 (laughs) right so um you know even fractional percents of bitcoin is a good investment but there's way higher gains to be made with other smaller cap altcoins oh yeah huge huge gains but way more risk take on way more risk Right, unless you do the due diligence research and believe. You have to have conviction and believe in in the companies you're investing in. Don't just buy something because I say it's good or because somebody on Twitter says it's good. You have to actually like kind of believe in it. Even if you do, though, with altcoins, the the trajectory is so steep and it's like it's, it follows such a set pattern right. of like the co- the coin launches. It may putter along at at floor prices for 
really no time at all now. It used to be longer. It'd be months. But now it's just like a couple days after it launches, it's somebody catches on. And when the first like famous Twitter crypto person or anybody with any kind of clout mentions it and then it's poof, right? it just goes skyrockets. And then it's such a steep drop off immediately, like within a day, a lot of the time it's it, back down. Yeah. So you have to really catch that. And like, if you have conviction and you believe in technology, that's all irrelevant because you're going to ride that out. Um, and hopefully you don't buy it when it's on the way up and right. you know miss your level on the way down. Did you ever see um, Internet Computer Protocol when it came out? ICP? Yeah, I bought some. I FOMO'd into that. Yeah. <laughs> it was so fast. It, <laughs> I'm still down on that. Uh, yeah. I buy like 50%, I me think. Me too. Yeah. I think I it was like <clears throat> at 300 and then it came down to 100 and I might have bought some around 100. That's and... exactly what I did. I bought $100 worth yeah. when it was at right around there. Yeah. Um, and I think it's worth 50 now. But that's a great technology. Right. So that's that's a good example. So that's one that I'm not worried about because I think that that's a good technology. It's Eventually, it will be more valuable again. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what – that huge pump was – the industry was reflecting like, oh, this shit is good. Right. It found support around like 50 or $60 for a long time. And, mm -hmm. and yeah, I felt idiot for buying that. <laughs> yeah. There's a few more like that. Like I, I think I did the same thing with one inch. Okay. Um, and yeah. But, you know, you got to take risks. Oh, absolutely. Um, just the one one time I made gains on Dogecoin paid for all the times I FOMO'd into like stupid projects. Yeah. So, you, yep. you know, you're not going to hit a home run on every one. And you're probably not going to hit a home run on every third one. but Maybe you, every tenth. Right. If you're lucky. and But the home runs are huge. Right. Like, so it makes up for, for all those other times. Yeah. I've I've made more on my Bitcoin than anything else, but that was just because I got in at a good time. Right, it was nine thousand dollars. Wow. I was thinking it was eighteen because I remember buying a large chunk at eighteen, and mm -hmm. so that's what I've been saying this whole time. But I went back through my records yesterday and just kind of looked at all my purchases. And I've the first Bitcoin purchase I made was Bitcoin was nine thousand thirty four dollars. Right, uh, and I about hundred dollars worth, and I I was like thinking that was risky. I wish I would have bought $10,000 worth. Right. But you never know. I mean, if I've, I'm a firm believer that if people have the money in the bank, um, you know, you should, everybody should hold just one Bitcoin. If we had like 50 million people that believe that, I think the price of Bitcoin would go to like 100,000. Dude, it would, I mean, that's not impossible. It's not even possible. Right. There's, there's only 21 million available. Right. If 50 million people wanted a whole Bitcoin, right. the price would be... Exactly. It would just explode. So, I mean, I, I think if you have money sitting in the bank, it's it's not a bad idea to put it into something that has the potential to have giant gains and returns because you're not really earning anything in the bank, especially with inflation. No, you're losing. It's leaky. Right. Yeah, I agree. And that's that's kind of where I've gone with my financial management, my own personal finances is my my savings in fiat have gone way down. Right. I just, I'm not adding to them like I was because now I'm adding to my IRA and my Bitcoin. Right. And that's it. And, the, and then everything else is just bill pay money. That's just it. It's, uh, you know, you got to have a little fiat around to, to operate on, but Got to pay prostitutes or something. Absolutely, they they don't accept um, Ethereum yet. Not yet. The gas fees. 
It's the gas fees. <laughs> I tried to send somebody some Ethereum one time or just like a fractional amount. And just the gas fees alone were more than what I was sending. I was like, I can't do this. Yeah. You know. So. I, I sold some the other day and yeah, the gas fees were real bad. So that really puts a limit on the Ethereum network for like how the transact how how many transactions or for what amount the transactions you do with Ethereum. You can't really do the small transactions and have it have it be, you know. So what are some better solutions than Ethereum for that kind of thing? So Ada's looking good. Cardano. Yeah, Cardano launches smart contracts mid September. So we're gonna see how how they work out. I have a feeling they're it's gonna be fine, but I really can't. You know, it's all speculative. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, there's ninety six billion dollars invested in Cardano. I think it's I think it's gonna take over the Ethereum network. I do. I don't think the. I mean, I still think Ethereum's gonna be have value. Let's look up. I, I, I know it's just crazy, so I'm going to look it up, but the number of transactions per second on Cardano versus Ethereum. Okay. So basically what's going to happen is the retail market is going to get into NFTs and gaming, and they're going to be looking for a network to use. So if there's a network that works better than Ethereum, like say, for instance, Cardano or Solana, then they're going to take the retail market, and it will pretty much... I mean, it'll pretty much wipe out Ethereum as the top, um, the top network for for those use cases. Okay, so uh, Ethereum 2.0, which is the update that is, is kind of going on right now, it says that they're going to be able to process 100,000 transactions per second. Okay, and that's in the future. That's not happening now, so we'll see. But um, Cardano right now supports around 257 transactions per second, which is still very low when you consider that like Visa processes over 30,000 transactions per second. Okay. And so, but that is kind of one of the things with blockchain. It requires a huge amount of computing power. Right. And that was the problem with Bitcoin when Elon Musk pulled it from Tesla's what they would accept for payment it was because of those the energy yeah costs yeah, and right they're looking that. for something more efficient yeah mm-hmm. but it seems like as computing power increases as chips get smaller computing power goes up and and that will just naturally kind of level itself out right but i agree i think ethereum will be lost along that road it'll still have value i don't i don't think i mean i'm i'm bullish on the whole crypto space i think they'll all they'll all find their little niches in the market but you know ethereum primarily being used for nfts right now and that will change there'll there'll be people looking to other the retail market especially is going to be looking for other networks to operate on and and i think we're going to see that soon within the next couple months so it's probably going now. Right. I know it is, actually. I yeah. just got on OpenSea the other day for the first time. And I had no idea that, like, that there was just that much activity. OpenSea is a, is a trading platform for NFTs. And, yeah, it's, it's very active. It's yes. cool. It's so all pretty exciting. That's basically a website where it makes it easily for, easy for just the average person to just go on and buy an NFT. So it's, yeah. it takes out a lot of the uh, confusing parts. Other than the fact that they are hundreds of thousands of dollars, that's still confusing. <laughs> like Steph Curry bought one. I mean, every, every... It's a status symbol. Yeah. I mean, I get it. Yeah. I, I get it. 
I mean, it's it's like driving a Ferrari. Right. You're not going to go any faster in your Ferrari than I than you would in a Tesla, but people are going to think you're a lot cooler if you have one. And then for the argument that, oh, I can just right-click, save that, and I have it as well. Well, like, even, like, you don't actually own property or land. You just, human agreeance that you own it. That's the Native American in you talking. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I agree. You know. I agree completely. Yeah, so it's like, it, it technically, yeah, you own it. Yeah. But it's just human agreeance and verification that you own it. You don't yeah. actually. You can't physically own it. Right. Because like, it's there and you're here. Right. Yeah. So. You don't really own anything. Personal property is kind of a, a myth. Right. So that's the same thing with NFTs. You don't, you don't, you know, you don't have a physical asset to hold in your hand. It's just a JPEG picture in your wallet that has a value attached to it. Yeah. So the calling them JPEGs, <laughs> that's that's what's gonna fucking kill NFTs. <laughs> People do not like that shit. Like, oh, JPEG, that sounds cheap. I'm not gonna. You call my CryptoPunk a JPEG? Actually, JPEGs are way higher resolution than your like, CryptoPunk. Like when you realize that all of the altcoins in your wallet are just. Uh, nfts with no jpeg <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's exactly what they are uh that's a great way to understand nfts though they're just like token they are right. tokens they're just uh, the values you is, can make more money on yeah them. Well, you can lose higher. more money too yeah they're somehow even more volatile than the most volatile class of assets but what if it was what if you know they always say bitcoin's so volatile but what if all of a sudden like it you know there's just a bunch of people looking for a store of value and to make legitimate transactions like what if it's the opposite of that like what if there's just people looking to get away from centralized government and fiat currency and it's becomes less volatile than the US dollar well that's kind of where i think is going to go yeah. i think that there will still be more booms and crashes several probably yeah. and everyone will be a smaller and smaller like descending triangle and eventually they'll it'll you know kind of somewhat level out it right. just like the same way the stock market did or right. or the any kind of large asset people just want to make verified transactions and and they just want to have a store of you know legitimate transactions of equal value and yeah there's just there's a lot of there's a lot of things to bitcoin that that just don't they don't meet the eye i don't know how to explain it? Uh, you mind if we take a little break? I was just gonna suggest that actually. We are one hour in, and I gotta pee. You give right. blood today. I went and got my blood. Uh, oh, drawn medical. For, yeah, get my. Make sure I don't have any kind of cancer cells in my blood. I gotta do that. I usually do that. I like to do it at least once a year. My insurance pays for it, so I probably should do it. Yeah. All right. Let's take a break. <clears throat> Take these out of my pocket. They're wrestling around. Anyway, uh, we were just talking about uh, testing. Yeah, I, I recently went back to school. Um, did the 100 ton masters at Compass Courses. It's in, like, I think, I believe it's uh, Edmonds. You can lean back a little bit. Edmonds, Seattle. You just be comfortable. Uh, so in that school, it was like 1500 bucks and we go through each, uh, like rules of the road and forget about the fucking mics. 
Tell it like you were telling it just a second ago. <laughs> okay. Forget there's people listening. Just just talk to me. Okay, so testing. We were talking about testing. You said you can't get anybody to pass your spray test, and then I was telling you. Yeah, I did. I said a bunch of rude things about <laughs> about all the people who have failed it uh, because they didn't study. And I stand by those things. I think that people should study more. I think that's the key to a test. It's not rocket science, unless it's a rocket science test. Yeah, so when I went to go take my 100 ton, I studied, like, probably studied too much. I was, like... No such thing, my friend. No, because I was spending money on this, and I had to rent a hotel room, and I've really been wanting to get this license just to have it, to hold, you know, just to hold it, and in case I ever have to quit fishing and maybe, like, get a real job. What's it made out of? Um, what's that? The license. It's nice to hold. Yeah. It's uh, what is it? What is it? Paper? Is it metal? Is it written on stone tablets? What is well, it? Well, it's just a paper license. It's a hmm. merchant marine, you know. So you mean more of like a figurative hold? Yeah. To hold it in your in your in your person in your possession. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Part of your identity. Yeah, just you know. So so it was. Uh, can you tell me again what it was a certification for? It's just so you can run a licensed and inspected a uh, hundred ton vessel. So like a charter boat or actually in like any passenger vessel that has to have insurance. Does that make you a captain then? Uh, yeah, it gives you the captain license. Yeah, That's sweet, man. Yeah. So do you put that on like official documents, Captain Ross Carey? No. I would. I, no. You paid the money. You did the studying. You right. captained the boat. I passed the piss test. <laughs> All of it, dude. It's, it's a whole thing. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, you deserve it. So tell me about your boat. Um, your your whole, boat? your whole captain shtick. Okay, so my boat's just a little. It was my grandpa's boat. It's just a little twenty-eight foot fiberglass boat. I've probably crabbed it for four or five years now in the Willapaw, and I like it, you know. So as long as I can keep making money doing that, I'm gonna keep doing that for sure. But yeah, fund your crypto ventures. Yeah, exactly. That's mostly where my money came from from this last bull run. It's Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I haven't really been holding crypto that long. I I just uh, I just invested some some of my savings and it's done really well. You know. Yeah. Good. It's it's so nice to see people having success in something uh, that is kind of an even playing field. Yeah. And I know back in the, I don't know what you if you ever bought into Ethereum, but it was going for like thirty dollars not that long ago. It was six. Actually, no, it was $300 the earliest I remember uh, really knowing about it and thinking about buying it. Yeah. <clears throat> I remember going to the drop off some transfer site garbage. Uh, I remember going to the transfer site and I saw Ned and I was talking to him about crypto and we were talking about Ethereum and like um, wishing we had bought in earlier and it was like $600 during this conversation and then now it's whatever 3700 or something yeah this was this was a year ago i think probably yeah i have seen some graph where if you bought ethereum with your first stimulus check during the covid it, you would like at least 10 extra money or maybe might have been more let's move on from crypto i think people are, are probably ready we'll probably yeah, go we, back into it but yeah. uh, let's talk let's think about something else to talk about i went to alaska this summer and oh, I, right on i did um yeah ice chips I'll try one of those. They look like crystal meth. Remember candy cigarettes? 
Oh, it is like a rock. Wow, what is that? Uh, I don't know. It seems like just a coincidence. <laughs> Got them from the dentist. Really? <clears throat> yeah. Uh, does not promote tooth decay. Xylitol, low glycemic index sweetener. Shout out Xylitol. Yeah, so I spent like three months in Alaska. I left. You see any cool shit up there? You know, it is beautiful and like cool and everything, but... I've always heard that about it. Yeah. It was just long, you know, a lot of boring boat ride and where you just like see nothing. A lot of gray? Yeah. Does that bum you out? Um, you know, it's not too bad because... It's pretty really, bad though. It's not too, I mean... It makes me want to kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's still fun. Like I had a lot of fun because it's my first time ever taking the boat from here to Alaska. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, I got to like... You know, steer That's the boat. That's a long ass trip. Steer the boat and stuff. <laughs> what else? <laughs> I mean, it steers itself, but you still have to like watch and make sure there's. Yeah, there's a, well, there could be anything out there: pilings, yeah. sea monsters, yeah. cruise ships. Get a lot of movies watched and stuff, so I caught up in a lot of like new movies and. What do you? you what? 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 Anything good? Uh, there's a lot of series I really like. You know. Oh man, tell me. I don't. There's tons of them. <laughs> well, then it should be easy then. Uh, the, have you ever watched uh, Alone? That survival. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. Love Alone. That, like, Love Alone. Yeah. So that survival show, they like leave you. You get to like choose ten items or something, and yeah, some people. Are what would you pick? Oh, I'd have the gill net for sure. Yeah, I would too. Even though I'd like put off putting it in because it's stressful. I'm just like, fuck. I'm just gonna I'd do check it. it every day. Yeah, Check. you would. You, you, everyone around me is just like a master fisherman, and I'm just like <laughs> would you get completely, the bow and arrow? completely inept at that and have no fishing skills whatsoever. Uh, I love fish, though, so I would need to do that because you're totally alone. Um, Except for that one season when they they weren't. They, like, l let them bring a friend <laughs> <laughs> alone with a friend. I mean, I can't believe it, like, how much money they make when they just for surviving. I think they, some of them make a million dollars for winning. Yeah, that's not that much. They have to spend a hundred days. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I. You could do a lot easier shit for a hundred days and make a million bucks. A lot of people can't though. No, not everyone has skills. Right. But sure. not everyone could spend a hundred days in the wilderness either. I'm amazed how many people lose their fire starter and then they like break down mentally. <laughs> <laughs> that's horrible. But yeah, it's always it's always. Um, like they'll be doing some like jackassery, like the guy who built a, a hot tub in the back of a like an old car yeah. or an old boat or something yeah. and he's like shit i lost my fire starter while, while i was building a hot tub <laughs> like it's somewhere between here and that uh the hot tub 200 yards through the brush that way yeah that's some people oh uh, they like have tucked this tough game before they go they're like i'm gonna last so long and then they're like there for two minutes and they're tapping out <clears throat> watching that show got way more interesting after i started making this podcast because i'm like I have to cut it together, and sometimes it's, uh, most of the time, it's not a whole lot of moving stuff around, but every once in a while, like, something just doesn't make sense, so I'll have to, like, move something I said, or, you know, you know how it is, but um, then you really see that how much editing there's done on shows like Alone, where they just, all those people film their own footage, so, and they just probably film continuous, so they don't, they're not doing any editing on the scene, so they're just filming and filming and filming, so it's just, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours 
of just boring ass footage that all these producers and editors have to just watch and just <laughs> wait till something happens and or wait. To, I'm sure they have software to run through it, uh, like motion, uh, kind of like those game cams. Right. But um, still just like stitching all that together once you've condensed it into usable footage and B-roll and then making a story out of it, essentially. And then matching up all the different characters in the story um, who filmed separately, but all, all occurred simultaneously. And, dude, I bet that's a fun job. But they make it like a soap opera. Right. And they do a great job. <coughs> it's a very, very entertaining show. You really get the drama. Yeah. I'm just kind of into survival shows, and, and then the reward just makes it like a little that much more interesting. Do you do that shit in real life? I'm not real bushcrafty, no. I like to be honest. I'm not like I'm when I go camping. I fucking bring like fucking a bic lighter. <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, you better, or you're gonna die out there. Yeah, bic lighter is definitely part of my survival crew. Like uh, survival. Yeah, whatever you, the word I'm they, looking for. They right last now. a long time. They're not. They, mm-hmm. You know, they're a good lighter. Thousand thousand flicks. I've heard. Yeah, thousand flicks. So shout I'm, out I mean, bic lighter. I'm not real bushcrafty. I like camping, though. And I, I like eating good food when I'm camping. Yeah, steaks. Yeah. When I was a kid, we used to do camp stew, which was like we'd bring a bunch of vegetables and cut them up and meat and put it in uh, tinfoil bowls and yeah. put it in the fire. And I fucking love that. It was my favorite part of camping. And as an adult, I've tried to do it only once because I'm like, I'm not packing all these fucking vegetables out into the woods. Right. <laughs> like, but what? that's what makes camping fun is when you like bring, like you're eating at home, you know, you like cook like Kraft macaroni and cheese or like. Yeah. Yeah. Like bringing milk and eggs and Everything butter. tastes better out there. Yeah. Yeah. Me and Jake, when I was a kid. Okay. So my dad took me and Jake camping a few times, just the boys. And we went to Toonerville, which is like at the very end of Salmon Creek Road. You ever been out there? Uh, I've been to the end of that road, probably. It's a it's a campsite with some horse corrals, and it's right on Salmon Creek. Yeah. And it's it's probably an old logging camp okay. from 100 years ago. And it's a cool spot, but it, that was like our family vacation spot. We that we didn't have a lot of money, and we had a huge family, so that was like ideal because it was way out there. We couldn't cause any trouble, or you let all your loud kids just be loud kids and play in the creek and shit. It's really fun. Um, but my dad took me and Jake up there with our dirt bikes a couple times. And um, he, like, <clears throat> a couple times he just slept all day long. And because he was, I mean, he was running a business and, you know, also probably supporting a drug habit <laughs> and living hard at the time. And so I remember just thinking, like, man, that was one tired guy. He slept for like two days straight, day and night. <laughs> And me and Jake just like rode our dirt bikes around in the hills. It was the best, man. It was so much fun. We went and caught bottom feeder fish out of the creek. We didn't really know how to cook them. They were so small that how do you gut a fish like that? Like so, we I mean we just fried them up uh, alive. Whole, whole. <laughs> just tossed them on the on the frying pan until they stopped flipping around, and which was pretty quickly. We had a real hot pan, um, and we ate them. They were delicious. You ever had a little bit of a bottom feeder fillet? Like a sculpin, I believe it was. Probably a sculpin, yeah. Mm, no. Oh. Try it out? I don't think I've ever had that one. They're good. I'm kind of picky about my seafood, I guess. I, um, I don't know. What do you like? 
What I really like is those smoked black cod collars. Oh, shit. Yeah, man. You have good taste. That's yeah. Probably you went straight to the best. Yeah, that's pro- That's what I really like. I like, I'll put them over rice, or if I have them, if I have them fresh, I'll um, soak them in teriyaki sauce and then broil them. Oh, shit. And then serve great. those over rice. Yeah. Seafood's my favorite of, of the foods. I can't get my girlfriend to eat anything that I get for a good price or free. <laughs> Why not? She doesn't like seafood. Allergic? Uh, she just claims she doesn't like it. Oh, she should tell people she's allergic. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. But, um, yeah. But I am having, we're having a kid. Congratulations. Yeah. It's due in November. A wow. Baby, baby Walter, a boy. Boy. Well, yeah. make sure you clear that with him first or, or her. Right. I guess that's the day and age we live in, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't I don't mean to make jokes. It's, I know that's a tough subject for people. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to uh, you know, please everybody with using the right pronouns. And it just, is hard. You know. It is hard. I don't think it's possible. No. And uh, the fact that we're changing the rules all the time makes it a lot less likely. Right. It gets awful confusing. People don't know how to act. Mm-hmm. Um, the other day I heard a guy, um, he was talking to a kid and he said, like, they were talking about starting a new school year. The kids are going back to school and stuff. And I heard him say, well, do you have to honor the fact that she identifies as a cat? Is that, do they do that now? And honestly, I thought it was a legitimate question. I was like, right. you got to honor things that people identify as like, see i'm not really involved but i have heard that there is like lbgtq in in the school now oh yeah there always has been yeah well no but they're like it's it's absolutely recognized now like that's like a, like it's a subject like you got math science and lgbtq well, I, I mean i guess i don't know like i guess i don't know <laughs> i just know that's a thing now in school like I don't understand what you mean by that, but I agree with you probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, there's you don't mean that there's there's LGBT, LBGTQ people in school now. No, I think they like actually like if someone identifies as like that, then they um. Uh, it was in the newspaper or something about it, but yeah, no, it's at school. I'll have to look that up. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> Times they are changing, man. You know, you got to get with it or get out of the way. Right. No, you have to accept people. Like you know. Yeah, I've always kind of thought that. You know, that's not really new to me. But no, no, I've always tried to treat people fair, and you know, unless they like do something to piss me off. You know, that's all. That's the law of nature. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So having a kid, huh? I I wouldn't punch him. I shouldn't say that. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, no. (laughs) (laughs) Right on, right on. Um, Let's talk about you having a kid. Okay, yeah. So she's like probably six and a half months pregnant. She's due on November 14th. Um, Pretty excited. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. Um, Do you have a name picked out? Walter. That's cool. Yeah. Walt? Yeah. Walt? That's... Yeah, that was my uh, great-grandpa's name. Oh, right on. Yeah. He actually immigrated 
um, to hear the Chinook. Oh. It was like, <clears throat> it was like 18, it was like the 1890 maybe, maybe earlier from Finland. Cool. To Yeah, to Chinook. Have you ever done your 23andMe or your Ancestry? No, but my brother has, um, and I should do mine. It's not the same, you know. Is it not? Dude, uh, so mine and my sister Tasha, Yeah. we only share like 49% really? <laughs> of our DNA or something. I'm going to look it up actually because that I don't want to get that wrong. It was something that <clears throat> shocked me. I was like, I didn't know that was possible. Hey, guys. So I have my 23andMe DNA report in front of me right now, and it turns out I was correct. So me and my sister share 47.94% of our DNA. And it says, yeah, exactly. I know what you're thinking. Do we have different dads? But no, we actually don't. It says right here, you and your sister Natasha share all of your genetic ancestors, but each of you inherited a different mix of their DNA. So we both have the same ancestry, but somehow we inherited a very different mix of DNA. And I'm pretty sure that must mean all siblings have some variation in how much overlap goes between their DNA. So, yeah, be pretty interesting to see um, between families what, what that's like. But anyway, just thought I would jump in and let you guys know because uh, it sounds like I don't really know what I'm talking about in here. And I didn't, but I was right. Carry on. I didn't know that either. I, I'm kind of interested to get mine now. Because I just assumed it would be the same completely with right, me and my siblings. But no, it was not. It tells you how much yours matches hers? Yes. So when you sign up, it gives you uh, access to this online portal, which is like a... Like a database. It's almost like a social media site, So, but with like all your genetic stuff too. So it's cool. But it's... So there's like a front end, back end, like the, you can go look at your relatives and see stuff about them. Mm -hmm. What do you think is the most pressing existential threat for our species? Um, probably nuclear war. Um, really? Um, more than, more than a bacterial or viral or fungal outbreak that kills everybody? Um, you know, I don't even... That one might hit a little close to home for most people, actually. Mm -hmm. I might We might just not talk about that. <laughs> I mean... I keep, I keep making jokes about the pandemic um, because it's like well, my I, impulse to joke about shit that's hard. But then I'm like, oh shit, actually, no, people are going to have dead relatives who hear this. And mm -hmm. I don't want to hurt those people. I'm so sorry. No, if no you shouldn't feel you like that. You do have dead relatives. You shouldn't feel like that. You should just talk about whatever you want. Well, I do. But yeah. I, I, I want... What I want is to is to reach out and, and connect with people and, and not to bring pain. So I, right. I'm trying to – but comedy's weird and yeah, hu no, humor's like, weird to where sometimes that stuff is what you need the most. It's just for someone to make light of the thing that you're feeling so heavy. Right. That's what I like a lot of times. But then every once in a while, you know, you think that's what you want and somebody says something trying to do that and it doesn't hit and you just want to punch them in the face. Right. So you never know. Myself, I spent too much time worrying about the virus early on. I'm just like over it. I'm like, I mean, I'm I'm as safe as I can be. You know, I have like a pregnant girlfriend and stuff. But 
I'm not gonna like spray down my freaking door handle with Lysol every time, you know, like I'm just kind of trying to be as smart as I can and uh, not let it affect me, you know. I gotta say rural living was the way to go for pandemic. Right. It was way less affected than the city people. Absolutely. Cities are ravaged still. It's yeah. fucking nuts. I was in Portland this last weekend. I ran hood to coast, uh, that relay race from yeah. Mount Hood to Seaside, which was pretty fun, by the way. I, I enjoyed it. But the um, the city was just how long of a run? A that? nightmare. Two hundred miles. Are you kidding me? I mean, I didn't run the whole thing. Oh, okay. I did three sections. Nice. So my total was like, I don't know, something like fifteen miles. Or That's something. still really good. That's six. Four and a half. I don't know. It was like 15 miles around there. But the, the hard thing is that you go through the night and you're driving a van full of the other runners along like the van course. You don't like drive with the people running. But um, it's grueling. You don't really sleep much. Right. You don't eat much. You just, it's it's hard. But it's fun. Like That does sound yeah, fun. Yeah, I, I had a good time. But uh, where I was going with that is Portland just demolished the road. Every, just just lined with tents. Yeah. The highways are lined with tents. Businesses are just shuttered up. It's just it's crazy. Feels like uh the Great Depression. Yeah. I could see that. I mean I forget how much money was printed during this whole pandemic, but it's like more than it's been printed in like the last I can't remember how many years. All of human history. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're just printing more money. And it's making a bigger debt, and we have no intentions of ever paying off that debt, it seems like. No, it's not practical to think that we ever could. Right. Unless unless we switch over to crypto. <laughs> and we hit a, hit one of those one in a million <laughs> right. altcoins. <laughs> like, oh my God, United States bought all of the shibu inu token like alex becker's the president <laughs> it'd probably have to still be elon musk <laughs> at, at least what else have you been watching man that's been uh tickling your fancy um what else have i hmm to be honest i really like a lot of old movies like i i rewatch like a lot of old classics with like chris walken and oh nice you know like what um there's just I there, I just had this hard drive on the boat that had like well, I probably it's it had a lot of movies on it but um I just it was all organized by like old like actor and I just would go through and just watch binge watch like old old movies uh like I'd watch Scarface over again like um Scarface is good Deer Hunter What is what is Al Pacino's actual ethnicity I mean, I thought he was was is he not Cuban? <laughs> I don't want to like sound racist. I'm like I, I'm like thought. This, oh God! It's there was a, I thought this guy was a you know um, African American, but he was Mexican, and like <laughs> I just felt I felt bad. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and. That sucks. Yeah. That sucks for everybody involved. Um, 
that's the thing about race and ethnicity is it's messy and it seems to be getting messier somehow instead of getting cleaner. Yeah. Like even though actual race and ethnicity is getting much easier because we're all just going to be blended. Yeah. Well, I'm actually a registered Native American, um, Cheyenne River Sioux, Lakota tribe. So I identify as a um, Native American. You should. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. That's awesome. That sounds like you got a uh, reason to identify that way. Right. It'd be weird if I did. Right. Yeah. Um, do you get offended when girls wear headdresses to uh, concerts and or in particular festivals? They don't really do it anymore, but they did for a long time. Uh, and it's one that I, I've wondered. I've wondered if it actually is offensive or not. Um, so I'm asking around. You know, that probably wouldn't bother me that much, but it is like, I don't know. It's cultural appropriation, 100%. Right. Yeah. I don't I'm, know. I don't I'm, get, just, I'm I, just questioning what, what damage uh, cultural appropriation does a lot of the time, other than just being annoying as fuck. Yeah, I'd say that, um, but it, it, it that particular it wouldn't bother me that much, to be honest, but... Um, so, how, like, what age do you think you started, first of all, when did you know about this background, and then when did you start actually thinking about it as part of who you are? Because I remember, growing up, I remember it, maybe towards the end of high school hearing about that uh, for the first time ever, and I don't I don't know if you guys already knew yeah, um, and just hadn't talked about it much or what. So my grandma was born on an Indian reservation in South Dakota. I forget the name of the specific town, but it's now it's underwater. There's like no longer a town there. Oh wow! They put in like a dam and flooded it. But because oh, and it was like a reservation town. Yeah. Oh wow! Because the fact that she was born on the reservation is what qualifies me to be in the tribe and everything. So after it got all registered and everything, and I mean, that's really cool, man. Yeah. So have you looked into that history? I have. Um, my ancestor was, <clears throat> okay, what's his name? Gr uh, Swift Cloud. He was good friends with Crazy Horse. Right on. In the Battle of Little Bighorn. Um, my ancestor actually died in the Battle of Little Bighorn, fighting custard. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. He was one of the suicide brothers that like committed to die fighting the night before. And uh, yeah. Wow. I So I my dad read me a couple books about Crazy Horse and, and Custer and actually a whole series of books, like 10 books about that period written from a bunch of different perspectives. I bet you anything um, I that he was a character in one of those the books. The Swift Cloud, yeah, Swift Cloud. I, I'm going to look that up. That's interesting. Um, yeah, that's cool history. I that had to be cool to find out. Yeah, and uh, there, there's more history. I mean, my aunt knows more. She has it all written down in names and... Yeah. We I think we had some other ancestors, but, you know. That's awesome. What so what's the rest of your background? So, I got a lot of Finn in me and I just like a lot of European stuff, to be honest, just like a mix. I yeah. and I really wouldn't know for sure until I did mine probably. Mm -hmm. I I'm 99.99% Northern European. Right. Like English, Irish, yeah. Scottish, and nothing else somehow. Amazingly, I would have thought there was something else in the mix, but no. That's cool. That works out. You can see. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's I know uh, know where I'm from. 
Yeah. I mean, I didn't feel like I identified with that part of the world much, mostly because when I think of it, I just picture gray, gray clouds. I've really been on that topic lately. I fucking hate the cloudy weather. It's, it's, it drives me crazy. It literally, like it, it may, it gives me mental illness. Yeah. It, it drives me crazy. Not having enough like sunshine. And yes. It, just... it, it fucks with my circadian rhythm to where right. I, it just feels like days just all blend together i there well you mean even like around here sometimes yes yeah yeah like all the time right <laughs> even like it's got i've gotten so sensitive to it now because i think about it and i'll fixate on it yeah i'm just like fuck another gray day so just so if we get like four or five in a row i start to get depressed and not depressed but just like grouchy yeah just like being kind of a, a bitch about it right um did you guys get a good summer here yeah, it was beautiful. That's good. It was beautiful. Lots of lots of sunshine, heat even. Yeah. I think that was. Were you back by that time with the really hot? Um, probably I think so. 115 degrees or yeah, something. Yeah, I've been home for like three weeks now, maybe. Oh, okay, so you probably were right around there. But yeah. Maybe you missed it. Maybe scorched four, all the trees. Maybe even four weeks now. I've been back. Yeah. T- time flies. You seen how all the trees are just scorched? My lawn is dead. Yeah. You can't keep the grass alive. There's no point. No, it takes so much water <laughs> and you have to do it at nights for it to actually even get it. Cause otherwise it just evaporates immediately. Yeah. Like I, I watered my lawn a couple of days and I went and stood out in the front, the front of the house when, uh, when it was, the sprinklers were on and it was windy. So the, it, the lawn wasn't even getting anything. I left them on for half an hour. And when I was standing out there, it was just like a little cooler in the front yard, but the, it was evaporating. It, the lawn was dry 10 minutes later. It's just like, fuck, no point. No. At least you don't have to mow it, though. Yeah, it's fine. Everyone else's lawn is dead, too. Yeah. I was more bummed about the apple trees. My apple trees dropped all their fruit, and we didn't get to make pies. It makes you wonder if, like, global warming could be real. Nah, it's a myth, bro. (laughs) It's it's liberal propaganda. Like climate change or, like, I don't even know what you call it anymore. I've talked about it a little bit on the show. I I do. I bought in I it. bought property in Alaska, so I'm oh hoping yeah, tell that, me about I'm that. the value of that goes up, dude. Um, Probably will. You know, where did where did you buy property? In southeast Alaska, Peter. Cool. <clears throat> Metcalf Island. It's Petersburg. Right on. Yeah. Is it uh? What's on it? Uh, just a road right now. It's an acre with like some lightly, tre- you know, small trees and stuff, and it's got like a view of a mountain on one side of it and it's real close to a public boat launch cool yeah so it's just like a tucked away it was like i don't even want to say how much it was but yeah it was an investment right on yeah did you buy it with money that you made uh crypto and fishing just crypto fishing just just fishing at that time just (laughs) Just fishing yeah the old-fashioned way (laughs) yeah the slow way yeah (laughs) the hard way (laughs) Uh, that was always something i wanted to do and eventually i'll build something out there you know but i'm not in a hurry yeah so that's cool man i want to i want to get some property property is a way to go yeah for sure it's a i mean it's a good hedge against inflation for sure yeah so is crypto yeah I hopefully think. until we get a mass coronal ejection well that's that's, that's one i'm worried I, about i was never scared of solar flares until i got into crypto now i'm terrified of <laughs> <it>. <laughs> yeah i'm like Watching these doomsday preppers where they're like, I'm afraid of the solar flare. And I'm like, fuck, I am too. Yeah. No shit, dude. <laughs> I've always been afraid of them because they're, the probability is, is 
relatively high. Right. Like we just missed one like recently. Well, they're just fucking whipping out into space. Like you ever watch a video of those? No. Oh, don't do it, man. It looks, it's literally uh, like a nuclear, or, I mean, it, from the video I saw, I mean, they're probably not a video. It's probably a 3D uh, rendering of some kind. Yeah. Like a mathematical rendering would be my guess. But it looks like a whip being whipped out of the sun uh, made of fire on a scale that means, it's, I mean, these are nu- it's a nuclear reaction, right? It's not fire. It's nuclear yeah, fusion. I, f- I forget. Fission. There was one back in like terrifying 16-something where it like just wiped out the telegraph system. Oh, yeah. Like just smoked it. Just done. <laughs> like, uh-huh. And uh, that was a pretty big deal. And, uh, you know, that could happen. I mean, it's terrifying. Dr. Robert Spock, when he was on Joe Rogan, talked about some of the more terrifying things that have happened in our in our geological history. Like, the it, like, rained lightning. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't remember exactly how that worked, but I remember being particularly terrified about the raining lightning. I mean, yeah, at that point, or your cars wouldn't work, your nothing, none of the gas pumps would pump gas. I mean, everything would be dead. Anything computerly con- that's controlled with computer. Pacemakers. Right. I mean, there would be people literally dropping dead. That'd be terrible. Yeah. Um, you know, you can get a Faraday cage and, like, put your hardware ledger in the cage and you'll still have your ethereums after the maybe well it's a blockchain yeah so yeah you would yeah you just wait for it to start back up uh-huh after it's repaired and yeah you'd be you and a f- that's very true you know so yeah you could you'd have to have it protected though i mean you i'm sure there's like a sleek looking faraday cage it doesn't have to be like a wrought iron yeah like a big creepy looking thing no you can have black cables and spirally things coming off of it it's got crackly lightning and blue shit and uh it's just just like in your bedroom it's like that's where i keep my crypto (laughs) exactly (laughs) just in case exactly (laughs) nope i've always thought about that yeah you're like the you've seen those tesla coils yeah. Where they just have this like big bolts of light just shrieking have off. Have those just coming bah, off gah, of it gah. just for effect. It's like, I just have that. <laughs> for effect. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, I just, you know, I don't want people to think the Faraday cage is weird. So <laughs> I got to have this to distract them. I mean, I just, I know personally somebody that got a new phone and they went to go try to get their wallet and they lost like twenty thousand dollars in crypto like everybody they contacted like wow something i can't i don't know if it was like their passphrase or somehow they messed up they couldn't like their wallet was just gone it just wouldn't sync back up they just couldn't yeah yeah and they like he said every time he called somebody they just like tell them to contact somebody else and he'd like already contacted them oh that would be terrible yeah so he's just like oh that's 20 grand just gone but that would uh so you got to be really careful when you. That's do... a life-changing amount of money. Yeah, I for a like lot of people. Transferred it to a different wallet before I, or something. I don't know. I would sign in on both phones at the same time, and right. then turn off one that I'm not going to use anymore. Right. So yeah. you weren't didn't lose it. Yeah. I don't know what what he did wrong, but it happened. That sucks, man. 
Sorry to your friend. And I also have another friend that put in like 7,000 in 2017. And I mean, today he's probably worth over 600 grand. Chain link? Oh, yeah. Chain link. I got a little chain link. Not much, but. I don't know what he got in at, but it was real low. And lost it? No, he has it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, good. Not a sad story then. No. No. That's a good one. That's a good one. Right on. He might be gambling a little bit online with it, but. <laughs> you, you, it, it makes I you a little ballsier. Well, act, well, to be honest, it's probably um, whatever. Yeah, no, he might be doing that. He may or may not. <laughs> it's his money. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's pretty empowering when you have a big growth in your wealth just from good luck, making a good choice. So, yeah, like I, I watched a video before I came here. Alex Becker posted... I just sold all my ETH for Cardano. Mm-hmm. And he's just talking, he would just talk about um, why why he thinks Cardano is going to succeed and ETH is going to die out. And just, it's just obvious to him that because of the gas fees and because there's going to be a large retail market and the NFTs and gaming, that it's, there's the, the Ethereum network can't keep up with all the transactions and the, the amount of people that are going to get into it. There's just going to be a, a transition to a different network, and Cardano is like one of the best, most cleanest, energy-efficient networks. And So I'm, I don't know. You said earlier it only does like so many transactions per That se- sounded wrong. That was yeah. just the first hit on Google. I don't think that, that's not, I don't think what I've heard before. Right. To get but. Cardano to go to $3, it took a lot of money. It, yeah, it was, that was, that was a, really exciting moment when i watched that thing go over finally yeah like, i was yeah cheering that's a major resistance point because yeah. after that people a lot of people are going to be like okay it's doing something i better get in before it's too late right i did that on ethereum i just didn't believe that it was going to keep going up it was at about 1900 and i was like i should probably get in before it's 2000 and i was just like mm, no nah, no i'm not gonna you didn't and, fomo and, I didn't. And then it, it got to, it hit 2000. I was like, all right, now when it bumps back down, I thought that resistance would push it back down and I could get in and it before it came back up, but it didn't. It just kept pushing. And I was just like, all right, it'll eventually top out and go back down. And I waited and I waited and I waited until it hit 3000. And then I just like, it's not stopping. I'm getting in. And then I got in and it fucking. <laughs> Oh, that FOMO, the FOMO. It was so stupid. You gotta not do that. I know. <laughs> Knock that off. I know. It's like, if you don't do it when you first have the impulse, just fucking forget about it. Yeah. Like, it's too late. No, but you never, you know, Ethereum was a better buy-in point than uh, Bitcoin at one time because, you know... By, like, three times. Yeah, because the gains were way better. Yeah, between, like, January and and March or something. Yeah. Maybe later, even April. uh, It was, like, yeah, like, three times more. Like, Mark Cuban was even, like, saying that. All that he like loves Ethereum and Doge, I think. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if people like Mark. Um, I don't know. He's famous it? and he talks about he's crypto. On Shark Tank. He's yeah, cool. like, yeah. <laughs> he's obviously got an eye for ideas. Right. Yeah. Um, and I honestly, I could see him doing a, a show about cryptos, like coins. Um, they come in, they're like, "Look, we're like ultimately scalable. We're light. We're quick. We do a tons of transactions." Yeah. It's like, yeah, but your your valuation's way off. You're fucking creeps, and you dress weird, and for those reasons, I'm out. Right. 
And then I fucking watched a YouTube video, like a clickbaity video with him in it talking about Ethereum, and I was sold. Like, that's all it <laughs> Yeah. Um, I watched a video of, like, this creepy old man sitting in a leather chair uh, talk for 30 minutes about the the coming wealth transfer. Yeah. How all the rich people are getting together behind closed doors and having these meetings. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's like a conspiracy video. <laughs> YouTube sends you down to those a lot of times. Uh, the algorithms. Exactly. Uh, it was because I uh, like I was well, it's because I was looking at conspiracy videos. Right. Yeah. <laughs> then it sends you down the rabbit hole. Yeah. But this one, been for some reason, <laughs> caught my eye uh, because the guy was making a lot of sense. Okay. And um, I'm a critical. I'm a critical eye when it comes to conspiracies. I like my my analyze sport, them. Yeah. My yeah. sport is to like look for ways that it that it could be untrue and right. that it could still be believable, like the way it is. So I watch stuff and listen to stuff with that kind of point of view, kind of like a devil's advocate. That's but, good. Well, yeah, it keeps you from getting sucked in right. because a lot of conspiracy theories are based on just psychology. Yeah. Certain things that that we have tendencies to believe or to want to believe as human mm. beings, like the the want to, to believe that people are generally honest right, or things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and you can just fall right into that stuff. But anyway, this old guy in the leather chair... And he's just like, just do yourself a favor, put $50, $100, any amount of money into Bitcoin before it's too late. Because at, at a certain point, it's – and he showed the graph, which now looks like a graph of what has happened the last two years. Yeah. Uh, of, of what happens, the, the kind of black hole effect. When wealth starts to flow, it pulls wealth into it. And then at a certain point, anybody left behind is – has no chance of, of surviving in that new economy because they've been squeezed out. The like the cost of entry is so high that they don't have the wealth to make it in. So I'm just like fuck. I better just put and I'll just put a hundred bucks in. I'll put a hundred bucks in. And this was like June of 2020. Right. And that was the beginning of my of my investment journey. Yeah. Fuck man. Glad I did. Right. It was really really. Really it's glad I weird did. when videos like that come true and you're like, fuck, he wasn't lying. I, I don't even know what his deal was. Like, right. uh, the, who knows if, if he was like a cult leader or something. I don't even know. But like I wasn't interested in him, but the things he was saying were ringing true to me. Yeah. And it was it was aligning with my view of, of what was happening in the world already. So it just like made sense. And I was just like, I see this happening. Well, the, it doesn't. It may, it would not make sense for it not to happen. For wealth not to move into a more efficient system, right? Where it can move easier. It can. It's just like it corrects a lot of the problems that we have with fiat currency. Do you know um, 4chan? Uh, I'm aware of it. I've never actually been on it. Um, it's just like a forum. Yeah. And uh, there's like a business and finance section. And my buddy in 2017 was like browsing that. And there's a guy that claimed to be a time traveler that told him to buy Chainlink, and he did. He bought seven thousand dollars worth, and then now it's now it's at one point he was worth over a million. Oh my god, <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah, so <laughs> you never know, <laughs> right? Sometimes you just gotta believe. Uh, there was a time traveler. He he knew the price, obviously. Damn. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Chainlink, huh? Yeah. No, it's an Oracle. You know much about it? A little bit. Yeah. yeah. It connects blockchains, right? Yeah. So it makes a, stuff interoperability. Like a secure connection between blockchains. 
Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's something that will be more and more needed, too. It's got a lot of utility, and it's the best one of its kind. What's another one of those? Uh, like, is that what Compound does? Or There's one of the ones in Crypto Earn on Coinbase. What I know that, that um, the Oracle for Cardano is like Charlie 3 or something like that. Um, but they can use whatever Oracle, too. You know. That's one thing that, that it took me a little bit to figure out is like that the the multiple blockchain thing the fact like the the whole concept of a blockchain in my brain at first was hard to grasp because it's like the the data need not the data but the computational needs uh, are so huge and there's so much redundancy like it's really not efficient uh, if you're thinking about it in terms of energy consumption at all no because there's a huge amounts of redundancy like that's what builds security into the system right and waste really. If you just think about all the computation that's being done just for the sake of complexity, yeah, like it's made hard on purpose, uh, mm-hmm. but that's why it's valuable, and that's 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 something that I think a lot of people that struggle to grasp it as a concept. That's that's the stumbling block that I think they're not getting, is that like that complexity, the fact that we're paying for that energy, all that stuff is what's building the it's value in secure. Yeah, that's and, creating the value. Yeah, it's super secure. Yeah, you know. and well, that like it's secure in terms of it's like backed up times a trillion. Yeah, but it's also secure in terms of like you can't get it without doing work. It's like act. That's why it's called mining because it's it's consuming resources. There is process that has to occur for it to be made available. Right. So it's tons like, of networks connected across. It could be anywhere. Yeah. So I could mine at my house if I wanted to. And that does make a a, a system of value. It creates creates value because of the the work that's being done, and that's. But your return on investment on video cards is like you have to mine full time for like over two hundred and some days to just get your money back on just the video card. That's not very long. Two hundred and fifty. Yeah. What if you bought twenty video cards? True. Like People do. You you'd make your video. You make your money back quickly, and then be making profits. A lot of profits. Bitcoin miners and Ethereum miners the last year have just made a fucking killing. Good luck getting video cards, though. It's ridiculous. I had a whole, like, plan for a a Bitcoin miner rig set up in my house. Yeah. uh, Right before, um, or it was, like, really right at when I started getting into Bitcoin. But it, it was not really profitable at the time. And I just didn't have the foresight to think about, like, the fact that there would be a big boom and it would all of a sudden be super profitable again. At the time, it was like you would the good good ones were making like fifty cents a day or something. It's like, yeah, right, not, not worth it. I looked into it and I, I really did. I priced out everything and I thought about it and I was like, no, I just I'm not home enough to like look after it all the time. And that was another thing. Yeah, yeah. And they get so hot. I was going to use it to heat my house. I was renovating my... No, that's a like, good idea. I had planned to renovate my house too. So I was just like, fuck, I'll just do that. Right. You have to like cl- clean the fans and make sure all the um, CPU cards are like sp- like brushed out. Yeah. And I'm sure there's different types that are better than others for that kind of stuff. But uh, I, I, I know there's... That's what Vosk, Vosk Coin... That's V-O-S-K Coin. Mm. He, he does a lot of stuff about mining. That's where I was watching that a lot was that time. But... It's pretty appealing. Yeah. Lucrative. Yeah. And then they have the ASIC miners, which do like way more yeah. stuff. What does that stand for? Something specific? Yeah. Um, Action specific? No. ASIC, A-S-I-C, is an acronym that stands for 
application-specific integrated circuit. Yeah, I know you're. It's uh, they're a little more expensive, and they're you have to. There's like a long wait list to get one. Yeah. You know. Yeah, man, they were so widely available a couple years ago. It sucks, but the pandemic made everything hard to get. And True. then on top of that, yeah, the, the I, rush to yeah. get them. I don't think it was really related to crypto miners buying all the video cards. I, I think, think it was both. There was yeah, there was a couple things. Yeah, plus no, no one had toilet paper, so yeah. everyone was pissed off. Yeah, and the hard times. The gamers really didn't like the fact their video cards cost three times as much. No, no. Well, I don't like the fact that a sheet of plywood costs three times as much. It sucks. Inflation is not fun for anybody. I think lumber is starting to come down a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, you know. Yeah, now that I'm done buying it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fuck. It was so shitty. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, do you game anymore? Um, Not a lot. I do occasionally play like an old video game that I enjoy for a couple hours and... And that's like, a, that's like about a it. Call of Duty or something? No, like a um, like a strategy role playing, uh, real time strategy. Like what? Um, Starcraft. Oh, right on! Yeah. Really old school. Yeah, and cool. then they got um, a new Diablo two remastered beta came out, and I didn't play that, but I like I know about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, yeah. No, there's just a lot of there's a lot of game stuff that I know a lot about and enjoy. So I do, I do invest in the gaming cryptos cause it's good. And also the gambling ones, like, cause people love gambling. I, they do. I don't know much about the gambling cryptos. Like any of the poker ones or any of the, um, so like there's one called D race, which is where you like get an NFT horse and then you race it. I just heard about that today. Yeah. And there was a big dip earlier and that would have been a decent buy. Cause there was just a pump just like yesterday. Yeah. Yep, and you could have easily got in and probably doubled your money real quick. There was there was a reason it was down. Oh, because yeah, there was just some like fud, you know, some some fear and stuff. On there's always new yeah. rate stuff coming out. Fud is another term that I no one ever it clarifies the acronym. Fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Uh, you'll hear that all the time in crypto podcasts. And for a long time, I was just like, what the fuck is FUD? I thought it was related to Elmer FUD somehow. Like it's like um, a reference to people. I, I just didn't know. I, I got the context, but it took a long time for hear anyone actually say that. I think you can go to like, what is it? Bitcoin fear and greed or something. Well, like in crypto, you want to be greedy when other people are fearful. That's when the price is down. You want to be buying it. And then you want to have some type of exit strategy to sell it when it's up. You know, you're, I would say your entry is more important than your exit. So don't just buy in when everything's like super high because you're going to get wrecked. Don't be a dummy. Um, yeah, I don't know. You have to buy when it's the hardest to buy. Right. Because it seems like everybody's getting out. And it's just like, that's hard. Yeah, it, unless you just plan on holding it for a long, long time and not selling it. So. I mean, at any point, if you just bought a crypto and held it, you're probably in the profits right now. Most likely. Right now. Yeah. But not a month ago. No. And not two months ago. No. You, uh, three months ago, even, you were probably most certainly not in the money. But if you bought in in like 2017... Then you're in the money. You're in the you're money. You're a millionaire, probably. Probably. Because, yeah, it was rock bottom. That was the last bull, you know, the big bull run. I wonder if we'll ever get back down there, like the sub $10,000 Bitcoin Dumpster realm. prices. Yeah. 
I hope not. I hope not. You got to buy stuff when it's at dumpster prices. It's, yeah, when it's the least appealing. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, polka dot. <laughs> you just got to look for stuff that's at dumpster prices, and you're like, why is this such junk? And then you like look at it, and it's a good project, and you're like, huh. Yeah. You know. And then how many times have you done that and been like, I wonder why it's so must it must suck yeah and then a week later you go look and it's tripled it's yeah like, fuck I, that was my moment <laughs> like baby monkeys yeah <laughs> exactly. i don't have to go home and research what's the next baby monkey uh, what is the next baby monkey come back when you find out and tell us about it yeah i will for sure all right man well i'll let you get out of here thank you so much for coming and sharing your crypto knowledge and this was a really good time yeah thanks for having me jeff really appreciate it all right, everybody. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Ramble by the River. If you liked what you heard today, head on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review and a rating. Come back next week where we'll have a whole new episode with a whole new guest and we'll learn some new things about our community. Getting to know the world one person at a time. Thanks again, guys. Talk to you next week. Say it with your chest now, say it with your chest now.